Uh, I've been told it's teaching, and I mean, kind of would make sense. You know, when I became a teacher, you know, out of like 300 new teachers, I was, you know, rookie teacher of the year. I came in a little late. I did corporate finance and stuff. I didn't like it. I got into teaching because my wife was a teacher and I loved it. And I was like, just, it was like an instant thing. You know, you just do something that's just a natural fit. Teaching to me is really just uh, like mapping out the clear steps. Um, yeah. Like really paying attention to that person you're across from to see if they're getting it or not. It's not like a one-way thing, it's a loop. And just um, taking really complicated things and breaking them down into really, really simple, like easy to understand parts. So I do that for oh, my students. Yourself. Yeah, I do that in the books. I do it in uh, with my students. I did it when I was teaching algebra. I've done that pretty much my whole life. And, um, you know, like I said, I just never thought it would turn into much financially because teaching traditionally has been a little bit on the lower paying side. But now that I'm teaching you know, real estate investors, uh, you know, marketing. Well, that's, that's a whole different type of teaching. So it's all good. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have live on the line Max Keller. Max, are you there? I am. Glad to be here. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Max. So for those of you who follow along with our travels, my wife and I are back down from Maine and Acadia. We are in uh, Pennsylvania near Stroudsburg area on our way down to the East Coast for the summer because it was all closed on our way up in the springtime. Now it's open up again, so that should be pretty cool. Where are you calling in from, Max? Uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Is it uh, warmed up there yet or are you still getting all the rain? Yeah, so no, it's rain in the springtime. Yeah, no, it's good to go. It's gonna get real warm here pretty soon, but you know that's that's why we live in Texas. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Texas was uh, on our whole travels around the country is one of my favorite places that we've ever been. Um, so really, really liked the uh, Conroe area north of Houston. Have you ever been down over there? Oh yeah, yeah. I have family who lives down there. It's a great area. A lot of a lot of trees, and you know, you're not too far from the coast. You know, yeah. if you it's a big state, you got to drive, but um, you know, there's a reason people are moving here. So. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, um, as a Californian, we went into Texas and I always thought that the whole Texans are polite thing was just a stereotype. But I got there and I'm pretty sure we spent there. We were there for like four or five months. Um, I got called Sir Moore in those four or five months than I have in the entire rest of my life combined. So, yeah, I call my business partner, sir. Like, it's just weird. Like, I don't know any other way to do that. So, just yeah, how that, Texans do it. That is a thing down here. Mm hmm. Yeah. So anyways, really loved Texas. So what I want to do real quick is a quick introduction for you, um, for our audience who may not know you, and then we'll just dive into the conversation. So Max Keller is a best-selling author, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and national speaker. And he um, teaches on how to close more deals and raise more money with a book that possessions you, or positions you as a trusted expert. I mean, I know you invest all over the country and also uh, you teach agents um, and some other things. So what I want to um, just get into real quick is what is your business like? Who do you serve and what do you do for them? Yeah. So kind of have a couple different ones. So we have our house buying and agent business. So the agents under my license and then my house buying business is um, a savior home buyers. So um, that's, that's where we buy properties and help people locally with their real estate, you know, uh, challenges. So we do that. And then we also have a publishing business and that's where, um, you know, we have some different books, some different licensed content. We use them in our business. And then others, you know, we have people from, California to Connecticut that license it and use it in their business um, and, you know, and just grow their business that way and really kind of like lead with more value, more education. And then I have a coaching business uh, with my partner, uh, Mike Hambright. So for new people. So yeah, I stay pretty busy. Yeah. So you are in the investor space and in the education space and in the real estate agent agency space. That's right. Wow. That's a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of place to have spinning. 
<laughs> I have a great team. So they helped me, you know, I didn't, I never, um, I didn't start another one until I already had one, you know, kind of going. And, you know, what's interesting is like, especially the publishing one, like I never expected to do anything like that. It just sort of, you know, sometimes we have challenges in our market. And if you're in real estate or even other businesses that are getting disrupted by technology, you know, you're feeling those, those challenges sometimes. And, but what I found is like, I don't really like challenges as much, you know, I don't like it anymore than anybody else, but some of the best things that I was able to create came out of those, you know, because when your back is against the wall, you don't have a choice. And so and now I used to wish for less challenges and now I'm like, bring them on because it's, you know, it's tough for 12 months or 18 months, but then, you know, it just really um, turns into yeah. something great. Most people shy away from them. So being able to uh, create new solutions in the midst of those challenges, is how good businesses are created. Um, so speaking of challenges and you're in the real estate market, I know right now, um, cause I got several clients and friends that are in the real estate space, like almost every market is experiencing this, um, really, really odd thing where there is very, very limited supply and the, um, houses that come on the market are getting, you know, more offers than they know what to do with, um, coming in immediately. Are you seeing that in Dallas as well? Or is that just in, in like pockets? Yeah, it's everywhere. You know, for us with the way that we market, it's a little bit different, um, like totally different. So we don't have as much exposure to it because we're not using the same traditional methods. But yeah, the root cause is really, it's interesting. Nobody's talking about it for some reason. People are talking about the symptoms. You know, they're saying there's low days on market. It's a seller's market. There's no deals. People, you know, people are, there are folks are talking about when the foreclosure wave is going to get here, when the next reset's going to be here. None of those are the real, you know, renters aren't paying their rent. Like those aren't the real stories. The real story is that real estate is um, the, the single largest undisrupted market in the United States of America, $1.6 trillion a year of, um, of you know, annual, you know, transactional one-time real estate deals happen, $1.6 trillion. So what's wow. happening is, you know, these technology companies are coming in and they're using advantages and leverages. You've seen companies like Zillow, iBuyers, hedge funds, Wall Street. That's what's really going on. What's really happening is that Wall Street and everything below is taking a lot of interest in the last, since the last downturn, they've taken a lot of interest in single family homes, not just to fix them up, flip them and make a profit that way, but also to hold them for cash flow um, real estate, because you know these companies are investing in in firms that never even turn a profit. And you know, and I know, and people who are in real estate know that you know single-family homes you know can make good cash flow and good yields, um, astronomical yields compared to what Wall Street is used to. So they yeah. they've gone all in. They've gotten a lot of help from the federal government. This it's a big. Um, it's kind of gotten the story's really gotten brushed under the rug, but folks who um, who don't know what's happening in their full time real estate, uh, they're they're on a path to totally getting washed out because Wall Street is um, is all in. They're not slowing down. And so that's what's really going on. And, you know, we've we figured it out a few years before. I think it's going to be common knowledge and we're doing some you know different things because of it. And that's why I was saying earlier, I'm glad I'm in Dallas because it's just so competitive here that all of that stuff and that wave hit here a little bit sooner. And so we got the opportunity to try to figure out, you know, just a different sandbox to play in. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about how you got into all these different businesses, right? We talk all the time about your origin story on this show. So every good comic book hero has an origin story. Um, it's the thing that made them into the hero they are today, whether that is, um, you know, were they born a hero or were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into uh, real estate and investing in education? Or did you start in a job and eventually become um, to an entrepreneur later? Um, basically, we want to know, where did you come from? How did you get here? Yeah, so I was, uh, before I got into real estate, I was an algebra teacher and a coach uh, football, basketball track at a title one school. And I love my job. I didn't, I had no plans on leaving. The problem was my kids picture up here, I got six of them. They were starting to get older. I had five at the time and I wanted to just make more income, but I really just want to have a little bigger nest egg. You know, I got my master's degree in teaching, but if I, unless I want to be a principal or something, it just, it was pretty much my pay was capped. And so I was looking for just kind of like side hustles in the summertime um, my friend bought a rental. He works for the government and he told me about it. And I was like, huh. And I just kind of kept researching it. And then I found like a local mentor. 
um, started getting houses under contract while I was teaching math. And then, you know, made about 16 K on my first wholesale deal, which was about four months of teacher pay. And I was like, huh. And I did another deal and then another one. And then I just said, okay, this is, um, and not way just a great, active. you know, way for, yeah, passive, but I can do a lot with active too. So I quit. And, um, that was about, that was like five years ago this week. So, and I've never looked back. So how long did it take to go from, I think I'm interested in real estate to holding a $16,000 check in your hand? Uh, I got, I, I found out the idea July 4th weekend, 2015. And then I got that house under contract, like December, 2015. I really like started because I didn't know what I was doing at first. I mean, nobody does. Uh, if you wait till you know everything, you'll be waiting a while. So December 1st was when I, um, like said, go. And then within three weeks, I got two houses under contract. One I had too high because I just didn't know any better. But the other one I had just right. And I sold it to a cash buyer. That was like February. So probably about whatever that is, eight months or eight so eight months. from yeah, idea. That's pretty cool to go from yeah. idea to uh, revenue that quickly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, getting a deal under contract, 16000 is a, uh, that's, that's almost like half the, uh, the average income for the U S population. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just, yeah. When you know how to do really high income skills, it's like, I mean, it's unbelievable. You just get so much time freedom. So I just started doing that, built up my team, went full time. Obviously, you know, you go full time, can't just, you know, collect a couple of rentals here and there, which was my original goal. So, um, yeah, I raised up my goals and, but, you know, probably around like 2017, fast forward a couple of years, you know, although I was on track to do about 30 deals for the year, I had a small office, you know, somebody helping me buy houses and admin, you know, and all that. I just honestly felt like every house I was going to, you know, I was interviewing for the deal and, um, there were just so many people on my market doing the same thing. And I, I was using every list, every cold calling thing, you know, every text message, just pretty much every strategy I could, I could get my hands on. And sometimes, you know, it worked, but sometimes it didn't. And I just saw the ROI go down every year. Or so, uh, every month really on my marketing. So what I did was I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Like instead of trying to take down all the houses in DFW, which is a uh, 8 million person Metro area. That's really spread out. I'm like, maybe I need to just focus on certain areas or certain deals. So what I did was I just went back and, um, and made a list of like, I was probably up to maybe deal 50 by then. And I just made a list of all my existing deals that I had done. And then I was like, okay, what's like important to me? Cause you know, this is my business at the end of the day, I need to be happy with what I'm doing. I was super happy yeah. with teaching. I just wasn't making as much money. And so for me, what was important and this, I mean, this isn't the list for everybody, but for me, I wanted to make good profit on a deal. Number one, because it takes about the same amount of time to do a, a you know, a bigger margin house than it would just a skinny one. So yeah. I wanted to do that. I wanted to work with people that weren't arguing with me about the values of their house. Like they saw me as the expert and the trusted guide. So there wasn't resistance. And then number three, I just wanted to work with people that I had fun working with, you know, that weren't needing me to bail them out of jail or just, you know, yelling at me and just doing crazy off the wall stuff. And so kind of, so there've been kind of two epiphanies with this one was I found out that most of the people on my list didn't meet all three of the criteria. But what I did see was sort of the first eye-opening deal in my marketing, which was everybody who met that criteria was a senior citizen. And I was like, huh. And so I just, I just dug a little deeper. I was like, okay, I like working with seniors. You know, I, my grandma helped take care of me. So growing up and I took care of her. So, I mean, it's not a big stretch for that to be the result. So I was like, okay, how do I work with more people like my grandma who, you know, grandpa died in 87. She lived in the house till 2011. There's a lot of ladies like that. You know, she just got um, a little pension from General Motors, some social security. She owned her house, but you know, not a lot of other assets. So they don't have like a lot of folks I was buying houses from, they, they don't have CPAs on speed dial. You know, they don't have tax planning attorneys and things like that, but they, they've been in their house a long time and they don't know who to trust. You know, everybody's trying to sell them stuff. Everybody was trying to sell my grandma stuff, you know, reverse mortgages on and on and on. And so I wanted to find more of them. And I went back and I noticed most of them actually weren't coming from all the expensive marketing I was doing. I was like, huh, they were coming by accident. They, uh, you know, people would see me rehabbing a house in the neighborhood and they would drop by uh, referrals. And then sometimes I was buying these houses. This was a trip and I wasn't, I'd make an offer. They'd accept it, but I wasn't the highest offer. And I could not figure out 
why that was happening. And I was, so I just called up one of the sellers and I asked him, I just said, Hey, you know, you remember me and they're, you know, Max save your home buyers. They're like, Oh yeah, I remember you. Like, did you have a higher offer? I thought you told me that. And they're like, yeah, it's like 10 grand more, which, you know, in Dallas, I mean, that's a, that was a high percentage. Right. So I said, well, why'd you go with me? Like, you can't go back. Like, you know, I can't, I can't go back at six months later, but why? And you know, what they basically said is because they, they, they trusted me. They, you know, I, I explained what was going on. I wasn't pressuring them. I wasn't saying, you know, your house is so gross and all this stuff like the other people. And I'd give them options that didn't even point to me, you know, because people, I think just being a teacher, you just need to let people know what their options are and let them decide, you know, that's how I sleep at night. It's real easy. <laughs> I sleep great. And uh, yeah, so I just did that. And they just said that that was like, that I, the thought, like the feeling that I genuinely cared about what happened with them was like more important than the $10,000. And I was like, okay. And, um, and so I kind of just kept learning about seniors and working with that niche more and more. Like I said, I mean, it's not for everybody, but it works great for me. It's the fastest growing, um, you know, group of yeah. people. So I and, did that. Uh, I think it's, it's 4,000 people a day are yeah. reaching 85. That's- yeah. Te- oh, 10, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So it's 10,000 a day reaching 65. I know yeah, 85 and up is, reaching 85. Yeah. 85 and up is the fastest growing um, age category. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the right spot. I'm working with people that I like to help. Um, the problem was, is that I was in these living rooms on these flower, you know, floral print couches for four hours, answering the same questions over and over again, because these folks have been in their house for 30 years. You know, they don't want to rush. They got a lot of questions. And so I was like, what's a more, like, I love helping them, but it's not scalable. And I was buying houses yeah. in another state too. And so what happened, this was like the big aha moment that can help any business owner, even if you're not in real estate is, and of course I get my best ideas from other people and usually women, they're super smart and I'm outnumbered. I got five girls and a boy. So I, I gotta, I gotta stay in line. But, girls and a boy here. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So yeah. So I was at a seller's house and um, I talked to the daughter she was, you know, like in her fifties. And she said, you know, I appreciate you helping our family. I bought the house. I helped the dad find another place to live. And she said, you know, you should write a book about this stuff. And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. Like I was an algebra teacher, not an English teacher. I'm dyslexic. I would probably get voted least likely to read a book when, uh, from my graduating class, definitely not write a book, but you know, things change. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, I've seen other businesses where they lead with a book and it has some real advantages. And so I didn't know how to write a book. Um, I've got a gift for your audience at the end if they're a business owner and they're trying to figure that out. It's basically the framework that I wish I had when I started, but I just real unscientific. I just wrote down all the questions people were asking me, all the questions that, you know, people should ask and, um, you know, kind of pros and cons. I was noticing a lot of my competition, they were, um, just telling people the pros, you know, about their choice, but not the cons. And there's pros and cons to everything in life. Pros and cons are going on your RV trip. I mean, it's everything, you know what I mean? So I just, yeah. So I just, I just wrote that out and it was just a how-to guide and I just printed it out. That was my first book. Uh, this one home to home, the step-by-step senior housing, uh, guide. And I just started giving it out to prospects and I'll tell you what, I never expected, I never expected to get an award with Robert Kiyosaki for the books at a big conference. I didn't expect all the things that would come out of it. I just did it because people were throwing away my business card. They were losing my $10, you know, credibility kits. And um, I just thought that people would hang on to them more. We just got a deal on a Thursday, a lady, um, I I spoke at at a church, a workshop, and that was over two years ago. And the lady called us. And was like, hey, like you, I heard you speak like two years ago. I need help selling my parents' house. So I went over there on Friday. Guess how many other investors were there? None. See, you know what I mean? Like who's following up two years later? Nobody. So yeah, so it's been really cool. And then my friends in different real estate groups, you know, a lot of real estate people too. You know, real estate people are smart and they just like, they're good at copying what works. And so they saw what I was doing was working. And they just said, Hey, like, can we use your book in like Florida? Can we use it in California? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, maybe. And then we just started a publishing and licensing company. Yeah. It was so crazy. I never would have imagined it a million years. And um, now we have people all over the nation that license it. Uh, Brant Phillips down in Houston 
was doing the same thing as me, but not for motivated sellers. He was doing, he had a how-to book for private money lenders. So he was giving it to local people and it's all same thing, all the questions that people should ask. And he called me after I got the award with Robert and he said, Hey, like, I like what you're doing with the licensing. I'm using it in Houston. I'm not using it all over. You know, can we do the same thing with this? And so we started license, we changed it up and then started licensing it for people who are trying to reach out to private money lenders. And then now we do them for coaching companies. We did one for Gingarino's um, company, and then we're doing another one for a big um, company. So through his program. Yeah, it's just kind of a cool thing. But books yeah. are books are powerful. That's what I can say. Gene runs the uh, residential assisted living company, right? Yeah. Yeah. He does that. And um, so, you know, he wanted a book that his students can license and give out when they're talking about their, you know, their homes and um, you know, they own, you know, the senior homes. And then um, we have another coaching company that teaches a, like a a real specific niche, but it works books. How to books don't work for every business. You know, there's a lot of confusion out there. Um, The, the, the main reason it worked for us is because we, it was 99% of the book is about what our ideal prospect cares about. 1% is about us. That's why it's so easy to customize them because it's mostly just universal stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. and I've, I found that books tend to work best with uh, high ticket transactions. Mm-hmm. Right. So once you get, you know, if you're talking about, you know, margin. which, which restaurant you're going to go to, you don't need a book. No. Um, but if you're talking, you know, selling a house or like our podcasting service that we offer, you know, those are high ticket services um, or high ticket uh, transactions. Um, and they take, they take some effort and some thought on the person who's going to, you know, be spending, separating themselves from their money. So the books really help with that. Yeah. And so, and then what was really cool was like, and I knew friends who had paid five grand, they got a chapter in a book with 20 other people. I'm sure you've seen those before. Nothing yeah. wrong with those books. But, you know, it's like our motivated sellers that, you know, they don't, you know, people are thinking about selling their house. I mean, they don't really care about us. You know, they, they, they want their problem solved and they don't care about a time we fell down a well and overcame challenges. So for me, that book kind of book, like I said, I know it has its purpose, but it didn't make sense. Another thing I was noticing is I had some friends who had done some of these books before. And after they gave them out to everybody at Christmas, they pretty much just stacked up at their office and, so I really wanted um, a book that, you know, real estate professionals, agents, you know, brokers, investors could like use and teach them how to actually use it. So we already had like probably an 18 month head start before we started licensing it. And so we just copied the things that we discovered along the way, things that our students have discovered that work and then like built it into our program. So people can, I mean, somebody can write their own book. Like I said, this book I'm going to give you at the end, that's a great thing to do, but if but then there's also licensed books and there's pros and cons. Uh, but it's pretty easy for busy people who already understand the value of a deal. Exactly what you said. If it's high margin industry, I'm a big Dan Kennedy fan. And I read his book, yeah. uh, Book the Business, which pretty much started this whole publishing company. I'm so glad uh, my coach told me to read that book. And he said, if there's like a hundred ways to make money with a book, selling it, which is what everybody thinks is the way to make money is dead last. Like the only people who make money selling books are a few fiction writers and people who are already famous. Uh, the best way is to get a new customer, client, resident in a high margin industry and real estate's one of them. And like I said, that's, that's what we do. And it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when, you know, when a new client is worth, you know, in my business, they're worth anywhere from 12 to $25,000 a year, um, um, like recurring <laughs> the amount of money you put into the book and the marketing to go for it. It's, you know, it, it's way more profitable to get a client or two using a book um, than it is to uh, um, to try and sell the book. Right. So like I, I mentioned before we got on the call, I got a book. I used one of my books to uh, your contract with a company that lasted a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only thing I ever used the book for. I wrote the book to get that job. Mm-hmm got the job and I've never done anything else with it, but it was absolutely worth every cent of effort that went into it because of what come kind of on the other side. Um, I don't think people look at books that way, um, but it's definitely a, it's a fan, fascinating way to do marketing. Yeah. It's a, it's a real superpower. And if you look at people who are really on big stages and doing big things, a lot of them have books and, and it's for a reason. And I just, like I said, I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed how it would all go down in a million years, but it's uh it's, yeah, it's just been really great. And it's funny that, 
you know, like that award I got for innovation of the year is something, you know, books have been around for thousands of years. So it's like most innovations are some app or, you know, some piece of technology. So just kind of taking something that's been around that's proven for a long time and, um, you know, give it to people. I just, I've never found a faster way to build trust and credibility than giving somebody my book. I kind of, I call them like my, um, my perfect salesman. So when I give my books, like literally they always get the message, right. I don't have to pay them commission. Uh, this lady, Diana, who we got, you know, we're helping her family with her house. We got that lead last week. I mean, my book literally sat on her coffee table with all the other autograph books from the author, which is zero, um, you know, for over two years until the day when she needed help. And she went right to the book and called me and all the infos in there. So my salespeople literally wait in people's houses. We used to put up like a lot of bandit signs. And if people don't know what that is, it's like the yeah. little signs on the side of the road. We'll buy your house cash. Yeah. Well, those are kind of shady and, you know, they don't really even work anymore. And um, people don't like them, but we have bandit signs. They're just in people's living rooms and they're are on their nightstands and they're um, there are books. So it's pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. You know, it's just like, it so, just works good. So you've got uh, a pretty storied story for, you know, the last five years, building a business in all sorts of different categories and just solving problems. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about your superpowers, right? So every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that is a fancy flying suit made by your genius intellect or super strength or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or you developed over time. Right. So and this superpower is the way that I, I frame it for people. It's, it's if you look at all the skills that you've developed, it's probably it's the one that is sort of connected to everything. It's the common thread between all the things that you do in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where you find your superpower. So in growing your business, what do you think your superpower is? Uh, I've been told it's teaching. And I mean, it kind of would make sense. You know, when I became a teacher, you know, out of like 300 new teachers, I was, you know, rookie teacher of the year. I came in a little late. I did corporate finance and stuff. I didn't like it. I got into teaching because my wife was a teacher and I loved it. And I was like, just, it was like an instant thing. You know, you just do something that's just a natural fit. Teaching to me is really just uh, like mapping out the clear steps, Um, like really paying attention to that person you're across from to see if they're getting it or not. It's not like a one-way thing. It's a loop. And just um, taking really complicated things and breaking them down into really, really simple, like easy to understand parts. So I do that for my students. Yeah, I do that in the books. I do it in uh, with my students. I did it when I was teaching algebra. I've done that pretty much my whole life. And, um, you know, like I said, I just never thought it would turn into much financially because teaching traditionally has been a little bit on the lower paying side. But now that I'm teaching you know, real estate investors, uh, you know, marketing, well, that's, that's a whole different type of teaching. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I do a lot of uh, teaching in MySpace as well. Um, and cause we do, uh, um, marketing essentially for heroic brands. Um, so people who have, who want to have a book or who want to run a podcast or have their courses and education stuff done. So I help people do instructional design, like how to take what they know and turn it into a training course, Uh, how to take what they know and turn it into a book. So we do that a lot. Um, And so a lot of what I do is teaching people how to teach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, it's a, um, it can, teaching is probably, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably one of the most lucrative things you can, you can do as a skill set, right? If you're outside of, you know, building a massive systemized business, like, you know, building iPhones or something. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely scalable. And I, I have the same kind of background. I, I was one of those instructors at the new teacher Academy. So teaching the teachers and now with our students and our new certification and our movement, um, that's what we're doing now is where I'm giving our students the tools where they can go out into the marketplace, whether it's their own licensed book or whether it's, one that our whole community shares and uses, but actually go to somebody's house and give a different level of value and teach those people at the dinner table something valuable that'll help them. And um, and then through communicating that, you know, you're just adding a lot more value to the deals, uh, you know, before you even get an agreement signed. So that's that's our strategy. And yeah, that's, that's what uh, my I have I have a sales strategy that I've got a few of my uh um, colleagues tell me I'm crazy for, but my sales strategies, I get on phone calls like this one, um, mm-hmm. with someone else and I just teach them everything they want to know. It's like, I'll teach you my entire process beginning to end everything that there is to know about building a heroic brand. 
Um, and I'll give you my templates, my checklists and everything you need to go out and do it yourself. And most people are like, well, you're obviously the expert. Why don't you do it for me? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, that's why we talk about the pros and the cons. I have people all the time who are like investors when they're just getting started to what we're doing in our movement. You know, it's brand new. They've never thought this way before. And they're like, well, if they're an investor and they're not an agent, you know, like the first thing we do is just say, hey, you know, this is a seller's market. Your house is really fixed up. You know, why don't you just put it on the MLS and sell it? You can probably get a lot more than what I can give you for it. And folks are like, no, no, no don't say that. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like they're going to figure that out anyways. Just like be upfront, let them know what all the options are. Because like you said, nine times out of 10, you know, they come to you. Marketing is really about, marketing is not about having the most ninja ad copy or all the algorithm hacks and all this crap that people say that's bullshit that just to sell right. courses. It's, it's not about that. It's about trust and communication that uh, yeah, marketing is a conversation trust. and trust. You know, that's it. That's what marketing is. Yeah. Yeah. They say so you gotta, they gotta know, like, and trust you trust being the most important. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, so if your superpower is teaching and using the teaching to sell, the flip side of that coin, of course, is your fatal flaw. So just like Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in growing your business, something you struggled with. For me, it was a couple of things. I struggled early in my entrepreneurial career with uh, perfectionism, where I was like, I just couldn't get something done because I wanted to tweak it a little bit more before I brought it to market. Um, and you know, that leads you to never bringing things to market. Um, and another one I struggled with was, uh, um, lack of self-care, which means I didn't have good boundaries and I didn't, I let my clients walk all over me and, um, didn't have good hours set up for myself. And so my business ran my life. Um, so early things that I struggled with my career, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to rectify those things? So people who are listening might learn a little from your experience. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I was always just super competitive growing up. Um, you know, I just, sort of just my natural inclination. So I was always comparing myself to other people um, that was competitive. I wanted to beat everybody, you know, in everything that I did um, then, but it's, there's no peace with that, you know, and there's yeah. always somebody who's got more experience or got more money. And so I got into real estate and I'm like two years in and I'm, you know, my income is, you know, 10 times higher than it was when I was teaching, but I was, I was happier when I was teaching. And so for me, um, I just sort of, when I elevated the mission up and the books helped that a lot to help a lot of people who I'll never even meet, that's really when the real happiness, the fulfillment and the success came in. And then when I just stopped comparing myself to other people, and I just compared myself to me yesterday, just kept trying to improve each day um, and just be you know happy with the results. That's really um, been the big, big game yeah, changer. Yeah. Yeah, that's like it's it's learning how to define success for yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. until you've done that, the only way to do it is to look at what other people are saying success is for them, and you're comparing, you know, your insides to their outsides, and it never really works. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it it's that's how you end up being in a place where you're not happy. So it's it's definitely a it's a cool place to get to when you finally realize, okay, this is what success and joy and happiness means in my life. Um, and then knowing that your business is a tool to help you achieve those things. Totally. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. So I think that ties really nicely into the next question, which is about your driving force, right? So just like Spider-Man um, fights to save New York or Batman fights to save uh, Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, you have a mission in your business, something that you fight for. What, what would you say that is? Yeah. So I, my, my mindset is I want our community to be the advocates for not just seniors, but just homeowners in general. I would go to a lot of meetings and, you know, there'd be real estate investors there. Like I said, I'm not judging them, but I just don't agree with this philosophy. And they were, you know, they would, they would talk about, you know, hunting, you know, the, the sellers down, you know, not really giving them all the info, you know, having an advantage, yeah. having leverage. And I just thought that was, that was kind of crappy. Like if you're going to be in any kind of a, a fight or a, a goal or a mission, like make it fair, you know? And so I, th I thought back to, like I said, the first 15 years of my life, my grandma helped take care of me. And then I took care of her, you know, I go get her groceries, doctor's appointments, take her to church. And I was always, cause I had a business degree. I was, you know, she was just getting calls all the time and people acted like they were trying to help her, but they were really just trying to help, you know, themselves. And so I was like, 
and, and, you know, but my grandma had me, but a lot of these folks don't have anybody to help them and they can just get kind of bamboozled. And so what's the driving force for us, what makes me just like jump out of bed and hit my head on the ceiling is, um, is, you know, reaching, getting this education out to a, a million homeowners so that they can make, you know, a good informed decision. So it's a level playing ground. They know what questions to ask people to see if they're working with the right person. And um, I just realized that I just, I couldn't come up with like a distribution model to do it all on my own. So that's really where the, the licensing and the, you know, all the certification and stuff that we're doing now comes out of is because I know I can't do it alone. And so, you know, people ask me about my publishing business and I'm like, I, you know, I have dual purposes. Like one, sure. I want it to be profitable, like any business, of course, you know, if there's no margin, there's no mission. So, I mean, you got to make profit, but my other mission, and it's just as important is like I said, to get this stuff in front of a million homeowners or just a couple of years away from actually reaching that distribution goal. And um, so that's what gets me really, uh, you know, pumped up. That's exciting. Yeah. And there's, um, there's definitely a lot to be said for having, um, having a purpose behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so with, you mentioned a minute ago without, with no margin, there's no mission and it goes the other way around too, with, with no mission, it's really hard to actually like build a business. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you don't have something that you're actually building for. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think, I think it's a, it's a good thing that you're doing. I like it. Ooh. So what I want to uh, talk about then is some practical things um, for, for people. And I call this your hero's tool belt, right? So just like, uh, you know, Batman has his batarangs or Spider-Man has web slingers, um, you know, or Thor's got his big magical hammer. We want to know about the top one or two tools you use every day in your business that you couldn't live without, right? It could be anything from your notepad that you dot your, dot your thoughts down onto the calendar to your marketing tools or something you use to actually do your product delivery. Something you think is essential to getting your job done every day to actually drive revenue in your, in your business. Uh, one is just having a really detailed plan. You know, I have ADHD along with probably a million other things. So for me, I need to know a good plan tells you what the next step is, you know, not just what the big goal is. So mm-hmm. I've been just using a planner every day for, you know, about, I guess, four years now. That's helped a lot. Uh, my accountability coach, I think if you're a business owner and you're not accountable to somebody else, that's like third party. Um, I follow Keith Cunningham and I love his books about you know owning a business. And that's really what he advocated. My whole game, everything changed when I got a coach that um, I could you know, share what we're doing, share the scorecard for the company with, and they just see things different. So that's huge. And then my assistant, um, when, when I brought Kate on like two years ago, that changed the whole game because it just allowed me to um, just, you know, took 90% of the stuff off my plate that I wasn't even very good at, you know, like a lot of organization stuff and real detailed oriented stuff. And um, she loves it. And then I can spend more time on the things that, you know, I'm better at and uh, more passionate about. So those are the three things, my, uh, my plan, uh, accountability coach and uh, an assistant. Yeah, absolutely. Those are, uh, those are good, um, good things to have. I know when I brought on my first, uh, staff member, um, it, it was a, it was a mind shift for me. Cause I was like, I was used to doing everything myself. And when I hired someone, I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was amazing immediately after bringing them on your, your work output doubles or triples. And you're like, Oh, that's how you afford it. <laughs> yeah. One of my, one of my mentors told me, Glenn, um, told me a long time ago, he said, you know, you got to, think about, consider hiring, you know, six months before you need that person. So it's kind of always going to be like a catch 22, but I agree. And um, I'm not into a lot of status signaling. Like some people, my team has this many people and all this stuff. It's just a lot of the stuff on social media is total garbage. And these people are just wasting time. I just focus on getting results for my students because if I pour into them and they're getting results, everything else takes care of itself. I don't need to worry about all that silly noise, but I will tell you adding good people, it's definitely um, a superpower. And I don't know all these movies that you're talking about. So I need to brush up a little bit on my comic book game, but I was having a lot of kids when all these movies were coming out. So I've missed Iron Man and this Thor and Avengers. I've never seen any of these. So I need to get up on so this. It's, it's probably because you, you, you only had the the one boy. I like my, my son right. was born right when all these were coming out. Right. Okay. And, and so like he was obsessed with all of them oh, okay. um, and because he's the oldest, his younger sister's got, got the bug. 
Um, so like my second daughter, um, she was Iron Man every year for Halloween for like four years. Oh, that's um, and she went through a whole phase where they're like Iron Man sat at the dinner table with us and we didn't set a plate for him. We got in trouble. Um, and she didn't put, yeah. she didn't put Barbie dolls in her dollhouse. She put Iron Man dolls. So oh, that's interesting. <laughs> no, no, James got here. We have five girls in a row and then we had a boy. So I don't give yeah, up. He's I think, youngest. Was that? He's your youngest. Yeah. He's my youngest. So our game is like newsies, lay Miz piano my wife's a singer so we're like we're over here i'm a girl dad but i love it it's all good yeah yeah my uh i i just discovered recently because i was doing the math on it mm-hmm. my son's gonna move out and i'm gonna have teenage daughters in the house and i was like you're gonna have to move close by because about once a month i'm gonna have to come over and hang out that's right <laughs> very cool so. and now a quick word from our show's sponsor hey there fellow podcaster Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little about your own personal heroes, right? So every hero has their own mentors, um, you know, like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad um, or Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Um, so who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors, maybe speakers or authors or peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far? Yeah. I mean, number one is my grandma, because uh, what was cool about her is so many things, but one is she was such a giver. Like, you know, she'd be in pain, her knees, she had arthritis. She never complained. She just like kept going. I think that's why she made it to almost 91 when all of her friends, you know, passed away. She just like kept going. So I learned a lot of determination from her. She was just always thinking about other people. She would make all the food. She was president of the senior citizens club. So she would make all the food and stuff for the luncheons. And I go with her to the bingo and, um, and it's really cool. So like, she would just always, just always help people. And um, I don't know, she just like never raised her voice at us. She was just like, basically like the most perfect person in the world. So I modeled a lot of my game um, after her. One funny thing that she did, the reason I don't have long hair or facial hair is because like we would watch Wheel of Fortune. And if some guy had a ponytail, she was like, not feeling that. And she could like close one eye and like cut like have some invisible scissors and like cut their <laughs> ponytail off. And then every time somebody had like a facial hair, she'd be like, Oh my gosh, look at that. I can't believe that. I don't even know why I guess back in her time, that was the thing, but I just like, I'm glad she wasn't a bad influence because I do, I did everything that, you know, it's not even so much like she said anything specific. You just kind of lead by example. So we don't need a million people on this list. Grandma is it by far. My parents did a great job with me too, but I just, Grandma kind of kept me in church when I was doing the college thing. And I was like, I don't need church. You know, she's like, you know, encouraging me to go. I met my wife at church, taking her there. So that changed my whole life. So I'm glad I did that. So if you haven't met anybody, go to church. Uh, they're out there, but um, wherever you want to go. Good people. Yeah, yes. my my grandma was that way too. She was, she was, uh, she's still to this day a hero of mine. She, she passed away a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I swear, um, I mean, if, if Jesus needed a door greeter, she's probably it. 
Um, and it was one of those things like she was really important to me. And like, I had a, you know, a really close relationship with her. Um, but like, to me, she was always just grandma and it was just me and her. And it was like, when she passed away, I did the eulogy at her funeral. Um, and like 750 people showed up Uh, Uh, and there's like standing room only in this mega church. And I was like, Oh, wow. She she wasn't just important to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So yeah. Grandma's for the win. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, there's always somebody along the way, you know, like the first 18 years of school is kind of a blur, but I had a marketing teacher, Miss Watkins. I wasn't good at school. I didn't know I had dyslexia. You know, they weren't testing for it as much back then. And I always struggled in school. I just didn't like it. I didn't want to pay attention. Teachers couldn't figure out if I was dumb or I just didn't care. I just had trouble concentrating. And, um, but when I got into her class senior year, they had like business stuff and I did a presentation and made it to nationals and we got a free trip to Disney world. So she kind of showed me that I could, um, you know, I could go out and achieve stuff. That was the first time I ever achieved anything. And then that kind of got me on the business track and, um, you know, here we are running businesses. So that, that definitely paid off. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always amazing. The people that are our heroes don't always know, like if you asked them who are, you know, who, who considers you a hero, you probably wouldn't know. Um, (laughs) and always just reminds me, to act as if, you know, act in a way that is worthy of being someone's hero. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's, you know, for my kids, I'm going to be, you know, I had a mentor of mine said, hey, one day you're going to grow up, your kids are going to have a hero. If you're not worthy, it's not going to be you. Um, and so I've always just kept that in the back of my mind. Um, that's why I ask people the question, because I was curious who who they consider. And it's very rarely, it's not always, it's very rarely the famous people you hear about, right? It's grandma, or it's a teacher, or it's, you know, the guy who comes by and picks up their trash every week. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's the normal everyday people that have a huge impact on your lives. That's right. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your guiding principles then, right? So one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. So for instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about top one or two principles you use in your life regularly. Maybe something you wish you'd known when you started out on your own hero's journey. Yeah, I read a lot. So reading is like an absolute superpower. I only read like seven books for the first 35 years of my life. And then when I found out that I was dyslexic, I got with a coach. She helped me, you know, figure out how to read a lot better. And so now I read a lot. So that's been like the number one key to success has been, um, has been, you know, reading. And then just, I just use the phrase like leveling up, but I always want to improve. When I was a teacher, we called it keep change, delete. But every time I do a, a presentation or a training or anything, I'm just always looking for feedback from people who are, you know, can actually give you feedback. Not everybody can or should, but, you know, from folks who have been where you want to go and, um, you know, I get feedback and just level up and, you know, it's weird. It's like, I thought success would be like, you know, one thing or one magic bullet or all of the sudden, and it's really just daily gradual improvement over time. And then you just kind of look up and, it's like that slight edge, make a little bit of improvement every day. Yeah. Look what happened. So that's been what, what I've been doing. It's been, you know, working really good and just taking care of my health too, because if you don't have your health, like, I mean, if you don't take care of your body, like you don't have anywhere else to live, you know, it's yeah. the only place you can live. So I've been doing a real good job lately, taking care of my body and um, just turning work off and making sure that I'm focused on my family too. Because like you said, if you're not worthy, then they'll find somebody else to follow and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's super important that I think we forget a lot as entrepreneurs is to take care of your body. Right. Uh, (laughs) We want to be, we want to be wealthy, but you forget about the healthy. So like healthy, wealthy, and wise, right. Those are the three things. Um, And my, uh, like I, over the last couple of years, I started working with a health coach Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I put on 20 pounds of muscle and dropped like 10 pounds of body fat and, um, I was used to be scrawny. Now I'm like, I'm not scrawny. I actually look like an adult male now, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. Um, and it, it's amazing how much that's impacted my ability to get work done and to do good work. Um, yeah. So yeah, your health is is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helps everything from your ideation abilities to, um, you know, having fun with your kids when you're taking the day off. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So that's a wrap on our interview. Um, And I do finish every interview with a simple challenge. I call it the Heroes Challenge. And the Heroes Challenge is simply a selfish way for me to find stories that I might not find otherwise on my own. Because not everyone is out looking to get on the podcast like you might be. 
Um, so the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why should they come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind for you. Has Robert been on your show yet? Robert Kiyosaki? He has not. I think he's got a good story. I would book him. <laughs> if you can introduce him, I will totally bring him on the show. All right, cool. Let's make it happen. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I think everyone knows Robert Kiyosaki, right? I mean, he's good. And I love his stuff. And he's always coming up with new stuff. He's constantly learning. Um, but I have to get back to him on that. I don't know about one, just one person. I've just, I've met a lot of really amazing people. They're out there. But um, like I said, the, the most amazing people I've met, they're just, they're doing ordinary things, extremely consistent, like being really successful, really great is like, I found it's just more about, more about consistency and showing up. And so the people that I kind of look at and have those best stories, they're not, they're not like the most exciting story, but it just works. I know it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the types of people we try to get on the show, right? Cause just to show all the different you know, the ones every people, everyone sees all the time are your Gary V's and your Tony Robbins and the big, you know, the big names that are in the marketing game. But you don't realize like one of my favorite people that I've had on was, you know, someone who's doing underwater tile work. That's all they do. They do it all over the country. Right. Really? Or yeah. Like, and you know, nobody ever knows that guy, but they exist and they do really cool stuff. Um, so yeah. Cool. Awesome. So in comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So analogous to that in this show is where can people find you if they want to learn about um, the real estate and the publishing stuff that you do? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what, Max, I'd love to have your help. Um, and I think more importantly than where is who are the right types of people to reach out and ask for your help? Yeah. So if uh, somebody's listening and they're a, um, you know, a real estate investor or an agent or a broker, you know, we help those folks figure out, you know, what's the best route for them. Um, so they can, I have a, a copy of my newest book. It's the real estate investors book writing checklist, but I mean, it works not just for real estate investors, but you know, all business owners essentially. And it's the framework that we use, the questions that we ask before we write a new book, we're writing a new one right now. Um, there's basically the questions I wish I had when I wrote my first book, cause then I wouldn't have had to go halfway in and rewrite it cause it wasn't structured correctly. So if folks want to get a copy of that, um, while the link is still up, you can go to dealschasingyou.com and then uh, forward slash Matthews, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. So dealschasingyou.com forward slash Matthews. Bring them to this uh, landing page here. We'll make sure that gets uh, in the show notes for for people if they want to get into that. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show today, Max. It has been a pleasure having you and getting to hear your story and just hear what you do for people. Um, and so I really appreciate that. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? Yeah, just read. I mean, reading's reading's a superpower. We talked about superheroes and superpowers. Uh, it just, for me, it all centers around starts and stops with books and uh, just, you know, I just want to commend everybody for investing their time and trying to level up and try to get, you know, better and, uh, you know, just looking forward to our, our next visit. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on today, Max.